And at the close of the service, we're going to have a communion together. And so you can ready your hearts for that if you like. And, and it's always a special time of communion, I think, um, whenever we can come together and remember what he's done for us and in the, in the backdrop of what we can do for one another. Let me say that again. It's really important for us to realize that it's not about what he has just done for us, but about how and what we can do for one another. The only reason... Let me say this again. The only reason that he would still have us here, okay, is, is because he still has a job for us to do. He still has a task to be done. And, and it's certainly not just to take up real estate, all right? It's not just to possess the possessions or the, the material things in this world. So I hope today that at the end of this message you will understand the importance of the new and the living way that's being opened. You know, I want to tell you a story, first of all, of a young man by the name of Trey. Trey was a, a high school freshman. He was a talented golfer. Do we have any golfers in the place today? Raise your hand if you are a golfer. Oh, only a couple. How many hackers in the room? Raise your hand if there's any hackers in the room. There we go. Okay. So that, that's a, there's a difference, all right? And yeah. Um, and, but we enjoy getting out there, those of us that do, and hitting this little white ball. And you, find, and you might think, what kind of joy can there come in that? I really see a whole lot of people more angry than I see actually happy uh, when they're golfing. Something about clubs being bent and wrapped around trees, thrown into water, uh, slammed down on the ground, greens and grass getting beat up. I mean, uh, what, what kind of fun? is that for some people, all right, they might think. Well, well, Trey really liked it, and he was a pretty good uh, freshman golfer. He was so good that he was on the, the high school varsity team. But he was experiencing a particular time in his life where every time he hit, hit the ball, the ball hooked to the right, and, and it made this whipping, cracking noise as it went through the air like a shotgun, and, and the branches were falling all over the ground. How many of you know that when branches are falling, okay, and leaves are falling, that's not a good thing in golf, all right? And, uh, and there was this one particular occasion, he was so mad he just took his club out, and after he hit it and he slammed it on the ground and says, I hate golf! Raise your hand if you've said that before. Yeah, okay, all right, yes, some of you have. And uh, he, he's been trying to do it, and now there were just a few days before the high school tournament, before the district championships, and he hadn't figured out what was going on. I mean, when he was, uh, before he was on the, the team, the varsity team, he was hitting from the white tees, and now he had to hit, be hitting from the blue tees. And in some occasions, the, the blue tees are a whole lot further back than what the white tees, but on many occasions, they're not. But there's a mental thing that starts to play in your mind when you recognize that you're playing at a different level than what you played before. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That happens in every single in one of our lives and in lots of different places. And so he was upset, and there sat his mom, watching his performance, watching his display. Wasn't so much disappointed about him not hitting so well, but more disappointed in the way in which he was responding to the challenges that he was experiencing. Sat there with her arms on the golf cart, just folding her hands and almost in disgust and, and almost re, in remorse for all of the times in which she had given uh, of her time sacrificially to be able to allow for her, uh, her son to be going to these special tournaments, all the times getting up specially to be able to go to practice and, 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 and thinking about how she can specifically time how she can get his application in to be a part of a particular tournament. I mean, everything that those parents will do to make their kids excel. How many parents in here try to do everything you can to make your kids excel? Amen? And you will, you will just toil and you will sacrifice and you do whatever you can. And sometimes things don't turn out the way in which they want to. So anyway, Trey was experiencing a pretty severe slump and, and uh, he was pretty miserable about it. And, and he was just talking about it all the time. And, and they were in this particular tournament um, in which they were uh, golfing and, and Trey wasn't doing well uh, in this particular one. Uh, but 
he, he had at this particular tournament something different than what had happened in the past. And there following him in his foursome was the mother of one of his golfing acquaintances whom had been, who had died in a tragic car accident the weekend before. This mother, out of loyalty and commitment to try to want to spur on their team from actually uh, another place, uh, felt like it was important that even though her son's life was lost, that he loved that and he loved that team so much that she was going to go ahead and be there in support. And she's seen a, a, a lousy display of attitudes that was there. And, and people, along with Trey, who were, were not acting like they were really enjoying the game of golf. And they were, they were devastated at different times, and, and she couldn't help herself. So on one particular time, she tried to bring a, a realm of encouragement to, to that one particular golfer. And she says, you know what? You're a talented golfer, and you need to learn to be happy that you can even play golf. Now, it wasn't to Trey. It wasn't to any of his teammates, but it was something that he overheard. And from that point on, Trey's attitude began to change. He began to be appreciative for the time that he had, that he could be out there doing something that this mother's son could not. He began to think, and all of a sudden his score, he started hitting the ball better. He started to be more relaxed with it. He started to enjoy the gift that had been given to him and the opportunity to begin to play. You know, attitudes are very strong within us. It many times will cause for us to experience doubt, experience grief, experience a lack of confidence, and actually functionality as well. If we don't understand the new and the living way that's been open for us, and we try to live in the world of old, where you won't ever measure up, where you're a hacker for life, how many of you know when it comes to stacking up to the standards of God that every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God? That there's no one righteous, no, not one. And if we take a look at our score and we try to find out how good that we're doing in comparison to how good and that we should be doing, miserable will we feel on a regular basis. Is that correct? But when you start to understand what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you, you start to understand the new and the living way that's been open, all of a sudden things start to happen differently for you. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to happen differently for you. <laughs> Give him a little poke. It's going to be happening differently uh, for you. I want to take you on a journey through time after we read this particular scripture verse. I want you to turn in your scriptures if you want to here to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. This scripture is, I just love Hebrews. I mean, you could just preach so many different messages, so many different ways. And, and I mean, it, it was hard to even be focused, you know, in on here because things just travel along and it's just so full of so much meat. But there's a therefore in um, this particular statement. And, and when, how many of you know when you hear the, the words therefore, there's going to come some instructions afterwards, all right? Now, he gives us the reason. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, therefore since, this is what's happened, this is, the, this is the, 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 the very principle, this is the very foundation, this is the very pillar of about the actions that are going to take place here in a few moments, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, all right? Now, we're supposed to have confidence. 
How many of you know the enemy don't want you to have any confidence? He, don't want, he wants you to feel beat down on a regular basis. But there is a new and living way that's been opened up by the blood of Jesus. And a great curtain. We'll talk about that in a few moments, which is his body. Let us, in other words, therefore, draw, draw near. This is what we're supposed to do. So since we have this assurance, since we have this confidence, since we understand there's a new and living way open for us through Jesus Christ... Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Oh, how many of you want to live in that place? How many of you want to live with that freedom of mind? How many of you want to get to that place? You say, you know what? I'm tired of everything that I've done that's wrong. I'm tired of the things I'm still doing that's wrong. And you know what? I am a, I'm a wicked, uh, uh, just, I'm in contempt of court. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, the, the God's told me to do what I'm supposed to do. And yet he tells me to draw near to him with confidence. Because of what Christ accomplished. He, he gives us another let us, all right? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. All right? Let us draw near. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to our love and good deeds. Oh, by the way, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. As we travel back in time, we're going to go back about 3,300 years to a time of about 1,300 B.C. And the largest worshiping gathering up until that point in time was going to take place. Six million people were going to gather out in the desert to have a worship service. You know the event, right? They were coming out of Egypt, the children of Israel. They had camped near a mountain in the southern part of what is today called the Sinai Peninsula of Egypt. And they, they were probably straining, all right, to hear six million people, no uh, audio enhancements whatsoever. Moses communicating. What did he say? Did you hear that? Did you say, I mean, I, I don't even, I, how could the process even take place? He says, we're, he's shouting out and giving out directions about how they should prepare for the first worship service. He says this, he says, wash your clothes, put on your best robes, we're going to meet our God. He goes on and gives some more instructions, he says, abstain from intimacy, you need to be focused on worship. It's not that there's anything wrong with it, he just says, right now I want you to focus in on worship. He says, do not draw too close to the mountain, for God himself is going to come down. The people did as, as Moses commanded. They washed their clothes. The, the husbands and wives slept in separate beds. That's what they did. And, and, and they, they, they prepared themselves to go to this place. They gathered and suddenly the mountain burned with fire. There was this loud noise proclaiming the greatness of God. And there was a sight. And, and even Moses was trembling with fear. What an incredible sight to see that a mountain would come alive with almost personality. I mean, we're coming out to worship God, but are we really going to see Him face to face? All these people, all these children. Yet Israel, with all of its incredible experiences that it has ever had, and even at that particular one, in all the favor that they experienced, had never 
and can never know God. Those people can't because they're gone the way that we get to today. Really? I mean, I know that some of us are sitting there thinking, I like a mountaintop experience. I like to be down at the, at the edge of the mountain and having all that fire and lightning and all those things going on and standing there in, 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 in terror. I mean, I would know he was real then. But I want to tell you something. If that's where your mind goes, then you have not yet experienced the reality of the new and living way that's been opened for you because it is greater than the past. It is greater than the old. And something needs to take place in you that you can have a revelation and experience and encounter with a living God today. I know we read about it. I know it looks very dramatic. I know it looks very delightful. But guess what? He has greater. Say greater. Greater things in store for you. You see, they knew God as judge. They knew Him as a creator, as the Almighty, as the Holy. But they never knew Him as Abba Father. They didn't know Him that way. They knew what it was to fear God, but they never knew what it was really like to understand His love. Unfortunately, today, many people don't know or have not discovered that love as well. And it, it shouldn't amaze you because that's what the enemy is trying to break down, the whole communication lines, so people can't understand God's love, they can't understand His mercy, His grace. This is what he goes after on a regular basis. The enemy wants God portrayed in our minds as unloving, as distant, as a vengeful individual who's hard on us and a dictator of a sort. But that's not the God I serve today. That's not the God I said. You see, today I hope you come to understand the significance of the new and the living way that's been opened. I hope you come to an understanding that together as a church family that we can have a worship time. We can have a worship experience that is not even contained to the moments that we have here together in this room. But it is something that we take with us wherever we go. That we're walking with a new bounce in our step. We're walking with a new outlook in our attitudes. We're starting to see things differently. And wherever we go, rather than people being frustrated about our lack of performance, guess what? If we fall down, we're able to say, I've got a loving Father who's right there to pick me up and to bring me up to new places. And listen, I've got an opportunity to live today. I've got an opportunity to breathe today. My heart is still beating today. Why in the world would my soul be cast down? Amen? I'm getting a little bit more excited than you. <laughs> you see, today, it's important that you understand there is an Old Testament way. That is the former way. It is the Old Testament way. When people would gather several times a year for various feasts and, and ceremonies and celebrations that would remind them of God's goodness and His faithfulness. Many of these occasions were very festive. They would gather for multiple days at a time. Rosh Hashanah was like the, the New Year's Eve that we celebrate today. There were also days of, there were solemn occasions, days of atonement, and there was fasting and prayer and repentance and mourning over the sins of individuals and, and families and even a nation. It was serious business. On those particular day of atonement, the priest, the high priest, would take two special animals. Both of them would be spotless and pure without blemish. They would be, they would been prepared and, and, and screened in a manner and way to make sure that this was the cleanest and, and most acceptable sacrifice that could be offered. To one particular animal lamb, he would come over and he would lay his hands upon its head. And there in that moment in time, he would pray a prayer and he would say some words and the sins of the nation was being cast upon that particular lamb. 
And then that lamb was taken out, outside of the city, outside of the area, to, to signify the taking away of the sins of a nation. And to the other, the other he would take and he would bring it and he would cut it. He would kill it and the blood would flow. The sacrifice was given. And he was given that assignment that he would go into that place once a year in which he would be able to bring the blood of, a, of an unblemished lamb, of the, the sacrificial lamb. And in that moment in time, with the shedding of that blood, it would take away the sins of the nation at that time. It would go into this place in the holy place, and then into the holy of holies. And there in this place was a very thick curtain that separated the, 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 between the two places. And, and on one particular side was the showbread, and was the, was the candlesticks. And, 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 and on the other side was that Ark of the Covenant. And inside of that, you know, here's one side of it, and then there's a great curtain that was here, probably around four inches thick. No seams in it whatsoever. Hundreds of pounds, probably. And there was the Ark of the Covenant, and, 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 and it, was, it was covered with this, 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 uh, this tool or this, this um, piece of furniture. We're going to call it, I want you to see what it is. That was called the mercy seat. Over top of those things, over top of the law was the mercy seat. And the blood from that lamb, after that priest had prepared himself, this is serious business because he had to be so right, as right as he could be. And if there wasn't something right, something was out of order, he would be struck dead. There were bells that were attached to the bottom of his robe. There was a rope that was attached to him. And if something went wrong, if they didn't hear the bells moving around again, then they figured, guess what? Something wasn't right with the priest. Something went wrong, and they dragged him out. How many of you know that's not lots of people signing up for that job? And, and he's, he goes in and he, he offers and he places this blood upon the mercy seat all over the horns of that altar. An indication that even though there's the law, it is the blood of Jesus that made way so that we, they, could have forgiveness at that time. Not the blood of Jesus, the blood of the sacrificial lamb. It's hard not to mix the two things, is it not? It's hard to be on this particular side it's hard to know what we know. It's hard to be liberated and to think of, of the limitations that they experienced back then and what we have access to now. The new and the living way that's been open. The symbolism of this verse that we've read here this morning and the actions that should take place for us point back to us trying to motivate each other so that we can draw close to God. Amen? So that we can spur one another on. So we can experience this, this freedom in Him. He is our new and living way. Jesus paid it all. His blood touched sin and obliterated it. It touched the mercy seat and bought forgiveness for you and me. And for anybody who wants to ever have that same type of forgiveness, no matter what they've done. Look at your neighbor and say, no matter what you've done, it can be forgiven. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you say, well, it can be. I mean, Jesus says you need to acknowledge him. 
If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You might say, Pastor, we know that. We realize that. Well, well, how is it sometimes that we find ourselves lacking in confidence? How is it that sometimes we find ourselves walking through life, taking symbolically our golf clubs and irritated towards our performance? How is it that we were kicking our feet in the dirt sometimes wanting to give up? How is it that we treat each other with disdain and with ridicule and rather than being encouraging and lifting up to one another, we grow weary in the task that we walk? How is it that that could take place? I consider, I suggest to you, I want you to consider that possibly it is because we have failed to understand the new and the living way open for us. We have relegated our responsibility to a bunch of rules and regulations and as long as we do everything right, then we have confidence. But that's not the gospel. By no means. The Apostle Paul says, should we sin all the more, even though with the great increase in sin, much more grace abounds. But he said, make up your mind to understand what Jesus Christ has accomplished. There's a new and a living way opened up. Jesus obliterated that. It was the former way. He obliterated God and humanity. And now... And now let us draw near to him. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope. Let us consider how to spur one another on. We're the body of Christ. Look at your name. We are the body. Look at you. We're saying, tell them we are the body. Look at them. You're the body. You're the body. Now, look at someone and say, you might be the toe. (laughs) You might be the pinky. (laughs) You might be the ear, you might be the snow, nose. <laughs> oh, there's all other parts of our body, right? <laughs> honorable, dishonorable. <laughs> the point of the matter is, we need everybody. You are the body of Christ. He's called us to serve Him, to worship Him, to assemble together so that we can recognize the things that he's accomplished. I want us to look at what worship and a lifestyle of worship looks like and how it benefits both God and us by looking at what it really means to abide in his presence. What does it mean to draw near to him? It means that we must value his presence. You must declare a worth of God in your life and of of, of His presence and and what it takes in order to enter into His presence. Now let me tell you something. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Word of God says His Spirit comes and lives in you. But the fact of the matter is, and while that takes place, we make the mistake over and over again in which we say, by the way in which we live, we don't value that presence. We don't honor it. We don't recognize it. He says, listen, you should wake up on a regular basis and acknowledge Him. Put your trust in God. Realize that He is here living in you. It's the new and living way. It isn't a place that you have to go in a geographical location. You don't have to get here to church on Sunday morning in order to sense and know the presence of God. You should know it on a regular basis in your daily devotions. You should know it when you read the Word. You should know it when you pray. You should know it when you gather together in your small groups. Amen? That the presence of God is not limited 
to just a temple. But he's called each and every one of us the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're the temple of the Most High God and we need to value His presence. We need to hold fast to the hope. What is hope? Some people don't even know what it is. There were once two identical twins and they were alike in every way except for the particular area of their attitudes. You see, one particular person, one particular twin was filled with, with an optimist and, and they saw the bright side in everything. The other one was the dark pessimist who saw the downside in every situation. They were so indifferent, they were so uh, uh, opposed to each other that the parents became concerned and they sought counsel from a doctor. And they took him to the doctor and the doctor said, well, how about we try this? On their next birthday, give the pessimist a shiny new bike but give the optimist only a pile of manure. It seemed like an extreme thing to do, but the parents... Figured that, you know what, we might as well try it. We've got nothing else to lose. We've, we've tried treating them equally throughout all of their lives, and this is where we, we've come. So when the twins' birthday came, they gave the pessimist the most expensive, top-of-the-line racing bike a child has ever owned. And when that child came out and he saw the bike, his very first words were, I'll probably crash and break my leg. To the optimist, they took and carefully wrapped up a box of manure and he opened it. He looked puzzled for a moment and then he went running outside screaming, You can't fool me! Where there's a, this much manure, there's got to be a pony somewhere. <laughs> you know, life has a tendency at times to hand us a box of manure. Don't squeeze that. That's lemonade. That's something else, all right? <laughs> but even the most positive thinking, you guys heard that, right? You, you get, you get, take lemonade, lemons and you make lemonade out of it. All right, there we go. I don't know where your minds are going. I just got to deal with my staff up here, okay? They're supposed to help me out. I want to ask you this. The family that you are raising, what values are you putting within them? The faith that you're instilling within them, is it a faith that believes that God is on our side no matter what is happening in our lives? It's not situational faith. It's a faith that says, you know what, I don't know why this is going on. I'm not quite sure what the answers are. But this one thing I know, my God has said He will never leave us or forsake us. You see, I believe something will happen as we continue to gather together and we continue to grow in our faith and we continue to value the presence of God. Our faithfulness to God will increase. You might say, well, it sounds like you're talking about to-do lists again, Pastor. I'm talking about a to-do list with regards to valuing His presence. It's, it's not a to-do list of the things you do wrong or don't do wrong, but it's, a matter, it's about the intention of your heart. Do you get to the place where you realize that you need Him to breathe? 
You need him to live. You need him to exist. You need him to go to the next level. Because once you, once you get to that place, the faithfulness to God will increase. The things of the do's and the don'ts, you want to be worrying about those things. There's so many times which your life is going to be filled with all kinds of different failures. But it will also experience all kinds of successes. And I promise you, I give you a promise, I give you a guarantee that the person who will look at the things that are dealt them, the things that are given to them, and, and looks at those things and says, you know what, I know this may be dark. I know this may be thick. I know this may be deep. I know this may be oppressing. I know this may be overwhelming. But let me tell you something. God is on my side. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Amen? There are times when life has piled on its many worries and its distractions and God seems like a distant memory. But I want to tell you something. When your soul begins to cry out to Abba Father, the new and the living way that's been opened to you, you can be able to have access and go into a place where you once couldn't go before. You don't have to fear about being struck dead because when you get into that place, instead you receive life. When you get into that place and the blood of Jesus is over you and it's covered you, the mercy seat, amen, is covering you. Oh, the laws are still there. The laws are good, but they've been fulfilled by Jesus. Amen? You've heard the story. You know the accounts of Thomas Edison. When over a thousand times he, he took and he kept on trying to make the light bulb. And a reporter comes to him and asks him, wasn't you really overwhelmed when after all those years, time after time, failure after failure, 999 times you failed? How did you keep going? And he said this. He says, you know what? It's not so much about how many times I failed, but how many times I figured out something that wouldn't work. I just figured out 999 times ways in which the light bulb won't work. Some of us become weary. Some of us become overwhelmed. Some of us get to the point and we say, I just can't hold on. I can't keep pressing on in there. Don't you see? I'm drowning here, God. We think that we can't hold our breath long enough. And Jesus is saying, listen, I don't want you to hold your breath. I want you to breathe in the air that I breathe. I, you are the, what? The breath within my lungs? Amen? We sing it today. What is it that needs to come out of us? Is that God is great and worthy to be praised regardless of what's going on in your life. Not become overwhelmed when you're shanking the ball. <laughs> Sometimes we need some people around us. People that will lift us up and help us to take our eyes off the circumstance. Help us to be able to speak the truth when it's hard to come out of our mouths. way that we can do this and be more successful with this is when we consider one another. When we consider how to provoke one another. When we consider how to spur one another on. Are you ready for that? Because that's an assignment from heaven. An assignment from heaven is that you would show this agape love. The unconditional uncompromising, ever-abiding love of God that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the kind of love that we have. And so much so, he says, you know what? I am also not only recognizing that I'm going to was here with you now as I walked upon the face of the earth, but I am sending one called the Holy Spirit who is going to be your comforter and he's going to be with you every step of the way. Well, Why? For what purpose? To what end? 
The end is to serve. The end is to be used. The end is to, to make a difference. There's a particular medical call center that would receive emergency phone calls. This particular center had the capability to, to handle 70 calls at a time. There was a particular director by the name of Dave. And he was given this new assignment of, of overseeing all of these individual call stations. It seemed a little bit overwhelming, but he had been groomed, he had been trained, and he was a student of leadership and management, and, and he had it drilled within him, and he believed it, and he tried to drill it into his leadership. He said this, that if people are busy with useful and fulfilling work, they won't have time to sit around and come up with complaints. You're like, what? I can complain with the best of them, Pastor. I mean, even when I'm busy, I could be complaining. <laughs> then you're not working very much. You're not busy, right? The, the key was, he says, when they are busy working and experiencing fulfillment, when they understand what they're doing is making a difference, when they understand that they're on mission, that they're on task, that what they're doing is on purpose, when you understand God's got a, a, a plan for your life, He's got a plan for you to affect in somebody else's destiny, for, to make a difference in somebody else's life, to make an impression in somebody, that they can't help but say, oh, that's what I'm here for. And I'm excited about it. I've seen the most miserable of people working in some of the most humdrum situations that only came to enjoy their situation when they understood the difference that they were making. Huh. It's so important for us to realize that God created you and I to work. It's so important for you to realize that your attitude will be different and will remain more positive when you do what God's called you to do. I have this in your notes. It says this, when you find what you love to do, you will never actually work a day in your life. I can't tell you the author of that. It's not my own. I found it, but I, there was nobody there with it. Well, I was just reading, when, when you find what you love to do, you will never actually work. You say, well, I feel like I'm working. That work also needs to be defined, does it not? The work with dread the work of remorse, the work of wasting your time. I'm not talking about that. You will never actually work. You'll never get to the point where you feel like, oh my goodness, when's this going to get done? When we find ways to serve in the body of Christ, it will help us to be built up and fulfilled. It will help us to, to, to keep on going with this level of excitement. When you look and we cheer one another on and we talk about the wins and you see what's happening in someone else's life and ministry, you know what? You'll be just cheering. You'll be excited. You can't wait to get together with the body of Christ to spur one another on. Amen? That's why we gather together. It's a new and a living way that's been open to us that we could spur one another on to meet together on a regular basis. Not to stop it as some are in the habit of doing, but do it all the more as we see the day of the Lord approach. That we could spur each other on, that we could encourage one another. When someone feels like they're not making much of a difference, we could take a look at what they're doing. We can maybe tweak some things that we can be able to help and encourage one another and say, don't give up, brother, don't give up, sister. It's not a religious term. It ought to be a mentality that we have within our minds that we are the family of God. Amen. Family don't give up on one another. Someone 
You could be in a fight with your brother. You could be in a fight with your sister. But someone else on the outside come in and start to mess with that, that brother or sister. And guess what? They got trouble, don't they? That should be the way it is with the body of Christ. Family. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Oh, what a beautiful description of the anointing of God. This is what happens when we abide in his presence, when we hold fast to the faithfulness of God and, and we become more faithful, when we consider how we could spur one another on. Are you doing that today? Are you a provoking person? In the right way? One version says, don't exasperate your children to, ra uh, you know, to anger. Don't, don't provoke them. I, I mean, I get that. But the whole provoking is that you would, in, in, you would uh, instigate it. But instead you would inspire them for good things. Pastor Christie, I'd like you to come if you would, please. Individuals who are going to help with the uh, communion, if you'd ready yourselves at this time. You see, I believe that when we begin to provoke each other in love and to serve one another and make it an ambition of ours to be unified, all of this will provoke a response from heaven. <laughs> Can you imagine heaven's response to a people who are responding to him and doing the things that he wants us to do? We know what it is. We know the way that it used to work. If you don't do it that way, if you come close, if you even step over this line, you will die. But now, I invite you, come on into this line. Come on and pass this line. Come on in and get real close to me. That veil, that sin, that, that's represented by that wall, that, that fabric that was there, as thick and as impenetrable as it was, as intimidating as it was, guess what? Come past it. Come through it. You have access. 365 and a quarter days per year. Amen? Why do we assemble? We assemble because we recognize that Jesus is in our midst. We draw near to Him so that He can help us. We're active in worship. We're active in serving. We're active in prayer. You can think about the things that are taking place and happening when we do what God's called us to do. It's like carpet bombing. Amen? The enemy and his territory coming against him and saying, enough is enough. We're pulling out all the stops. Hit him with everything we can. Can, can, you, can you get a vision of that happening? That when the body of Christ comes together and we offer up praise and worship and adoration unto him and we, and we become more faithful unto him and, and all these holes that are happening in the enemy's plans and in his tactics... He's sending out and making new assignments. He's telling those demons to try to do something different. We're trying everything. We can't stop them people from praising. We can't stop them from praying. We can't stop them from believing. That faith that they have, it's being emboldened. And, and the more we try to tear them down, they, they've got the secret the strategy. And they're assembling together on a regular basis. And when I think that I've got one on the ropes, all of a sudden someone speaks something into the ear and says, You can do it speaks into the ear and says you're not alone speaks into the ear and says guess what God's got a greater plan and purpose for your life take that stuff and throw it out 
you are here at this time and we as a church are gathering together on a regular basis so we can grow into what he wants us to be to go out and to make a difference to all generations it doesn't matter where you come from God's brought you to this place and he's opened up a new and a living way for you I don't know about you but that makes me excited I want you to bow your heads with me right now because four of these emblems are distributed I want everybody to just feel free. I want you to have confidence. I want you to understand that the Bible says there's no one righteous, no, not one. But you're here today. And you say, I don't feel clean. As a matter of fact, I know that I'm not. I know that I have not valued His presence. I have not, I've not appreciated what He's accomplished on the cross. I've actually am ashamed of my actions, Pastor. I've claimed to have faith, but my life hasn't matched up with it. It happens from time to time. But he says this, once you confess those sins, those shortcomings, he's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you from those things, and invite you into his presence. So here today, I believe we could be in 100% agreement. I believe that if you're here today, if you're not right with God, you don't have to stay in that spot. You don't have to worry about being a hypocrite because you haven't been able to do it before. The only way you lose with God is when you quit trying. You quit believing. So if you're here today and you know that you're not right, you know that there's, there's things, there's, there's sins, there's, there's missing marks between you and the Lord and, and where you've missed the mark and, and, and you want that to change. You, you want to recognize, I need to ask for forgiveness of something. I'm just, this is very broad. I get it. But there's something. I mean, I, I believe there's going to be a lot of commonness in this room once, we, once I ask you to raise your hands. But if there's anything that comes to mind, I want to be clean before the Lord, and I'm not right now, but I want to be. I, he's bringing something to my mind right now, and I want to confess my unrighteousness to Him right now. If that's you, lift up your hands. Come on. Where are you at in this place? Didn't ask for first-time salvations or, or even rededication at the time. You just know you got something. You say, Pastor, can we do that? Is that? That's embarrassing for me to acknowledge my weakness. It isn't until you do that that you can help and spur on somebody else and say, I was right where you were at put your hands down there's maybe somebody here today who for the very first time you want to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord and Savior of your life if, if, if you're here today I want to pray with you I want someone to be able to pray with you and speak with you and, and you want to get right the very first time you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life but you, you want to where are you at today? is there anyone here today? we have any guests that are with us today? we have any regulars? maybe you've been coming to church for years you know but I've never said be the Lord and Savior I don't see any hands at this time so Heavenly Father we pray this prayer right now as the individuals come and get ready to distribute the emblems Lord we pray a prayer we, we say God you see the commonness you see the challenges that we have in this place today and there's many of us who have missed the marks and for that reason the enemy wants to make us feel like we just don't have access to you but there's a new and living way open and we walk in that we thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we receive these emblems in Jesus' name so we can show how valuable you are to us. Let all God's people say amen. Amen. Go ahead and receive these emblems if you would. Let's 
partake in remembering and celebrating what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross for us. Lead us if you would, Pastor Christian. Who do men say that I am? They gave their ideas of who it is and or, or what they've heard. And, well, who do you say that I am? Simon, one quick to speak, says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it goes on and says, I'm going to give you some keys. These keys are kings, keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As a child of God, you have great access. You have a new and living way that's been opened to you. You have new power. You have new access. You've got keys as well. The thing is, is that many times we don't believe it. We find ourselves stuck in the rut of what's going on in our situations. 
and we're clouded, things are blurred, and you miss out because sometimes you won't pick up a phone or you won't call up someone and say, I need you to pray. I need the body of Christ. I need my family. We hold in our hands today emblems that represent the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the interesting part is, he says, and you are my body. And though you be broken, though you be wounded yourselves, he says, guess what? You still are to be unified. And you have a new and a living way. I want you to close your eyes with me as I read this final closing passage with you. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to get and see the picture that he has for us. Because in Hebrews 12, 18, he says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm. You haven't come to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. For if even an animal touched the mountain, it had to be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses was trembling with fear. But instead, say but, you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven you have come to God the judge of all men to the spirits of righteous men made perfect you have come to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel he goes on and he says once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens And once more, he says that is to indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, let us worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. As you hold these emblems in your hand, and as you get a picture that you come to that city, It's not a city on a hill that's far away. It's Mount Zion. It's relationship with Jesus Christ. You hold these emblems in your hand and you realize what he's accomplished. You say, let me draw near to you. Oh, let me draw near to you. Break that bread, if you would, with me, please. Father, we thank you for the broken bread. We thank you, God, that you've given to us access to healing power. And I pray in Jesus' name that was written in your word will be declared and happening and be made manifest within every person that's here. They need healing in their body. May it be done. May faith arise right now within this place. May there be an excitement about the things that are to come in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread together. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. And we thank you for the shed blood. For without the remission of blood, there could be no removal of sin. God, I thank you that you've shed your blood for us. That once and for all, we don't have to keep on going and having a a lamb, a sacrifice on our behalf. But you're the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We thank you for that. And we, with much respect, reverence, and awe, Say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, 
partake of the cup, if you would, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you do that next song, thank you, Jesus. Stand to your feet with me, if you would, please. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just thank him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Offer up to him. Come on, offer up to him right now. Say what you want to say to Thank him. Thank you, Jesus. How appreciative you are of what he's accomplished for you. God, that you've given me a new and living way that's been opened. I remember and I recall through reading, Thank God, those you, things in the past, God. but I am thankful that I have a new way. The new way. The new way. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for once again shaking the heavens. Thank you, God, for once again shaking the earth. Thank you, Lord, for for not leaving me in my spot of desperation, dysfunction, and chaos, but bringing order to our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we believe what we prayed earlier a few moments ago, that every hand that went up, that individuals who said, I've missed the mark, there's things in my life that need to be corrected. There's things that need to be brought into alignment. That, Lord, it will not be seen as a measure of works or measuring stick by which we will say, okay, now I'm saved. But, Lord, that we are a work in progress. That, Lord, there's a process that's being made into us. And that, Lord, there will be an excitement when we beat and when we overcome the things that come against us. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and glory for it. Let everybody who is uh, an overcomer in this place say hallelujah. Amen, amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Yeah. Amen. God bless you. Come back tonight, 5.30, 5.30 service. Back again tonight. All right, God bless you. Cookie Fellowship 2 tonight after service.